Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello, Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to answer your mailbag questions. So the queen is back, Kayla Pace. She's taking some time out from her role as the manager of digital and social media for the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA. And of course, you know, she also makes the Pace's playbook videos for us over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Kayla, welcome back. It's great to be back as always We got a lot to talk about A lot of questions because as I'm sure you can imagine Jets fans are in a good mood after what just happened In the game at Pittsburgh And we will start with Mr. Gonzo He asks if Dwayne Brown ends up playing Does Elijah Vera Tucker get kicked back to right guard Or does he play right tackle You could go either way I suppose it really depends on what they think of Elijah Vera Tucker's ability to play right tackle. He played left tackle in college. I'm not sure he has any experience at right tackle. They could be secretly working with him at that position like they did with him at left tackle last week. Nobody knew about it. Nate Herbig played really well at right guard. So maybe they're thinking that if Dwayne Brown comes back, they would move Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle so they could avoid playing Connor McDermott and use Nate Herbig at guard. That would be their strongest collection of players. It's just a matter of how comfortable would Elijah Vera Tucker be at right tackle. Could go either way, maybe a 50-50 shot that he plays right tackle or right guard if Dwayne Brown plays. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw today Elijah Vera Tucker talking in his press conference saying that he feels like he can play anywhere. So <laughs> if that has something to do with it, if his if his comfortability um, plays a role in that decision, then sure, throw him at right tackle. I would like to see at this point, especially in a game like this one um, against a division rival where it's obviously going to be tough and they're going to have to rely a lot on the offense and the line being stable, put your best guys out there and see what they can do. Next question comes in from Day Kina. He asks, would you rather have Elijah Vera Tucker continue to shine and turn into a solid starting left tackle or have him play at a Pro Bowl or All-Pro level at guard with serviceable play from the left tackle? Well, I would hope that you could get better than serviceable play from the left tackle going forward, whether that's Makai Becton or somebody else. It's a tough call. I think if you believe that Elijah Vera Tucker could be a top 10 to 12 left tackle, it's a murky conversation. If you think he's just going to be average or slightly above average, but you think he could be a Pro Bowl or all pro level guard for the next 10 to 15 years, then you put him back at guard. It really just depends on how high of a ceiling you think he has at tackle. And if he continues to play tackle the next few games and plays well, it'll be an interesting discussion for the offseason. Yeah, and I have to agree with you there, Scott. I think that though, because of the value that left tackle has, like I, I don't personally don't mind what amount of time they need to use him to fill that role as long as he's playing well. And I mean, of course, we'd love to see him at his drafted position where he's supposed to be, right? Like over at right guard. That's what the that's what the expectation was from him, and that's what fans were hoping to see and that's what I'm assuming that Joe Douglas was hoping to see but I think also too the trade-up for that player I think is knowing on a level that that guy can play where you need him to play and yes you could get a pro bowl right guard but you could also be someone that holds it down in, in a situation where you need him so if he has to play more snaps at left tackle and that's fine by me as long as he continues to hold it down we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Tyler Sloboda. He asks, if the Jets think they have a legitimate playoff shot, what kind of moves do you expect at the trade deadline? Possibly a push for Jesse Bates if since he continues to struggle, maybe a linebacker. Honestly, if they make any moves at the trade deadline, I don't think it's going to be anything major. It might be some sort of roster-filling linebacker or safety, somebody for depth. Generally, players of that caliber don't get traded at the trade deadline, and Joe Douglas is not a guy that makes a swing like that which would cost a ton of draft capital and a lot of salary cap space. Even if the Jets do better than expected, I don't think he's going to make some sort of major move. So yeah, I think they might go out and get some sort of depth piece or a fringe starter, but I can't imagine anybody like Jesse Bates getting traded to the Jets. And I don't think since he's going to struggle enough that they would be out of it by the time the trade deadline comes. They are 2-2. Two and two. If they trade Jesse Bates, they're basically waving the white flag, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, so I heard just as soon as that question started, my first thought that pops into my head is safety before you even got it all the way out. And um, But like you, Scott, I don't think that Jesse Bates is the most feasible option because if we're talking about the Bengals, like they're already out of it in some way. Like the Bengals and the Jets have the same record right now. So we'll see how it looks when we get closer to playoff time. But um, I think barring some kind of major injury to the Jets roster that like they don't really have um, someone to fill that hole, um, then I don't think that we'll see any major trades at the uh, coming close to the deadline. Like if they're if they're looking that good come playoff time or getting close to the playoffs, um, then I think they're going to be pretty happy with the roster that they have out there. And like we'll also continue to see how the offensive line and those injuries develop as time goes on and as we get closer to the trade deadline. But again, I don't think that um, anything major happens unless there's like a unforeseen injury. Jay Krutzberger asks, how do you think the Jets are going to try to contain Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill on Sunday? This is an interesting question. Robbie Sabo brought this up earlier in the week in our midweek news and notes podcast, but I think that the most effective strategy might very well be taking a page out of the Bill Belichick playbook. You put Sauce Gardner one-on-one on Jalen Waddell and then double Tyreek Hill with DJ Reed and one of the safeties. It worked very well for the Patriots when they had Darrell Revis. Might be the way to go here. The interesting thing with Sauce Gardner is going to be seeing how he handles Tyreek Hill and or Jalen Waddell because the guys that he struggled with the most in college, and he didn't struggle much at all, period, Mm -hmm. but the ones that gave him the most trouble were the smaller, speedier guys. Hill and Waddle fit that bill. Calvin Austin is the guy that he talked about being his toughest challenge at Cincinnati. So I'm curious to see how the Jets decide to approach this. But I do like Robbie's idea of putting Sauce one-on-one with Jalen Waddle and double-covering Tyreek Hill with DJ Reed in one of the safeties. This is a prove-it game for these corners that have started out really strong. When I think about this matchup, like I want to see what those guys are capable of out there. And obviously you're not hoping that they get burned, but like, I want to put them, like I want to see them put in one-on-one situations. So to have sauce on Waddle, like I think that would be a great matchup to see. I think that um, sauce has talked a lot and like, I love sauce. I have no problem with him talking a lot, but like, this is going to be the toughest test so far for him. And um, I want to see that these corners who, I mean, both sauce and DJ Reed have said, Hey, I think I'm a CB one. 
So go out there and let's see it. Like this is the game to do that. And I'm really excited to watch that play out. It's going to be a fascinating matchup regardless of the way that the Jets play this. And if you want to get in on the action of trying to decide whether Jalen Waddle and or Tyreek Hill are going to do better or worse than their player projections in their daily fantasy matchups at prizepicks.com, I highly recommend doing so. Depending on how much you believe in the Jets' corners, you may want to say that they're going to do worse than their projections. You may want to say they're going to do better. Either way, you pick two to five players over at prizepicks.com, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. PrizePix offers projections on any sport you watch, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, whatever you want, prizepix.com has it. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections made. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. With the promo code PLAJ, if you deposit 100 bucks, prize picks will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50 bucks, prize picks will give you 50 bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code PLAJ to sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks at prizepicks.com. Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, Bryce Huff played and made an immediate impact on Sunday against the Steelers. Why is it that the fans seemed to know this was possible, but the coaching staff didn't? Also, who's worse, Vernon Golston? Or Connor McDermott. So first part of this question, I think it's just a matter of what Luke Grant said on the show a couple of days ago. The coaching staff does not believe in Bryce Huff's ability to stop the run. They want to get guys here that are more complete. And so they were hesitant to make him active because he's so one dimensional. But as you said, Getting him on the field, you saw him get those pressures. He's an obvious third and long type of player. I know he's not complete, but getting to the passer is the most important thing that somebody in his position can do. And if he can help there, they've got to keep him active and get him more snaps. As far as who's worse, Vernon Golston or Connor McDermott, let's put aside Connor McDermott's performance as an offensive lineman. He actually was much better than you would have expected against the Steelers. Not that he was good, but he wasn't as disastrous as you would have thought. Connor McDermott caught a touchdown pass last year. That alone is far better than anything Vernon Golston ever did. You can bring up every single Jets draft pick ever. And I've had this discussion many times. There are plenty of guys like Johnny Lamb Jones who didn't work out. Roger Vick, Blair Thomas, the guy who is the biggest bust in the history of this franchise and one of the biggest busts in the history of the NFL is Vernon Golston. Picked sixth overall, literally did absolutely nothing. He was so bad that his rookie year, if he hadn't been the sixth overall pick, he wouldn't even have made the roster. Was never a rosterable caliber player. And when you pick a guy like that at number six overall, it's straight up embarrassing. You can talk all you want to about guys like Jamarcus Russell, but Jamarcus Russell at least had some good games. Vernon Golston didn't really even have any good plays. He was awful. So as bad as Connor McDermott is, nobody will ever hold a candle to Vernon Golston when you consider the combination of where he was picked and how little he contributed. Because you can bring up somebody like Christian Hackenberg, but he was just a dart throw quarterback in the second round. Vernon Golston was the sixth overall pick, expected to be a franchise changer, and he was an absolute waste. Yeah, you guys are wrong for even trying to compare uh Connor McDermott to Vernon Golson. <laughs> That's so mean, man. <laughs> like, but I mean, hey, I get it. We're frustrated with McDermott right now. It seems like like the spot that's really holding us back in a lot of ways. So I get it. 
But man, no, absolutely not. Vernon Golston is worse. Um, as for Bryce Huff, I mean, I think that fans have a more positive view, I guess, of his potential. And it's unfortunate from the fan side to see that. But um, I mean, hey, his, his deal's up next year. He's, he's a young guy. Maybe he's just not fitting in what they're looking for. And if they play him on the right snaps, like Scott, you were saying, like if he's a third and long guy, then put him out there then. But um, to not to not dress him feels a little a little wrong, given how how much he, he has contributed over the years. I mean, like he ha- he had some breakout games that made people a fan of his like people wouldn't be advocating for somebody who they didn't enjoy watching play to be out on the field. So um, it's too bad for him, but hopefully it doesn't seem like he's got a future in New York. So hopefully there's somewhere out there that wants to utilize him for the skill set that he does have because it's not that he's not a talented guy. Next question comes in from Joshua Tanny Mine. He asks, seeing what we've seen from Geno Smith this season, should the Jets have kept him? (laughs) (laughs) These questions are just something today. (laughs) I understand the sentiment here, but... Realistically, if you go back and watch Gino, there were moments where you could see glimpses, but overall, he was just a really poor decision maker, couldn't read a defense, and ultimately, there was no way you could have foreseen him being a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, we'll see. It's only been quarter of the season. Is he going to be able to keep this up? Maybe he's just a really late bloomer, but even the Giants gave him a chance. He's had chances to spot start. And until now, he just never put it all together. If you watch him so far this season, the pre-snap recognition is just light years ahead of anything we saw here with the Jets. He's not making the mistakes that he made when he was here. He's taking what the defense is giving him. It's just a very different quarterback. So you want to talk about hindsight being 2020. It's really tough to say that the Jets should have kept Geno Smith. It seemed pretty obvious that the Jets needed to move in another direction in the long term. Unfortunately, that direction ended up being Sam Darnold, and that didn't work out either. But I can't really condemn the Jets for not keeping Geno Smith because nobody in their right mind would have thought that he'd have the top passer rating in the NFL after four weeks of the 2022 season back in 2013 and 2014 when he was making so many mistakes. Yeah, gosh, that was like eight seasons ago. I mean, there's no way to foresee that coming. Obviously, there's a lot going on. And who knows? Maybe it was just like he wasn't there yet as a at a personal professional level. But because uh, obviously there was a lot of drama surrounding Gino's exit and all of that. But I think that he, maybe he just found the spot for him. He's grown up. He's a pro now. It is what it is. But you certainly can't look back at someone that left eight years ago and and feel some type of way about it. I mean, I don't lose sleep over Geno Smith. I do lose sleep over Demario Davis. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, do the Jets have an advantage every time they play the Dolphins with Salah and LaFleur's combo over McDaniels because the system they run is so similar and Salah should know how to defend it with ease? Also, would Arthur Smith have been a better head coach for the Jets than Salah? Everyone said the Jets had much more talent than the Falcons during joint practice, but Smith has the Falcons in every game without a good QB. Did the Jets make a big mistake again? Let's start with the Dolphins part of this. I would think that 
the advantage runs both ways, right? Because you have yep. LaFleur and Salah who both know what McDaniel's doing, but McDaniel knows what they're doing. They both come from the same system. They coach together for several years. So I think they all know each other well enough to be able to get inside each other's heads. So I think it runs both ways. I don't think anybody has any kind of clear advantage. As far as Arthur Smith, way too early to tell. You're right. So far, the Falcons with a bad quarterback and a subpar team overall seem to be competing week in, week out. But let's have this conversation in a couple of years because there's been plenty of coaches where you say, oh, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. And then nothing ever comes of it and they never turn the corner. With Salah, he got off to a rough start, no question about it. He still has a lot to work on. Let's see how the Jets shape up the rest of the season. And let's see what happens with the Falcons the rest of the season before we start making any proclamations about who the better head coach is going to be. You are right. So far, you've seen more that you like out of Arthur Smith than Robert Sala, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, no, absolutely with you on the it's way too early to tell. I think anyone who's who's saying that they're fully out on Sala yet is getting ahead of themselves. So jumping ahead of it too early to tell that. Um, I think that well, maybe you'll have a more clear idea by the end of this season or even just in the bottom like quarter of this season because you need to be able to see how they make adjustments and how they grow. Um, and hopefully you get to see that with more like the, at least the majority of the team out there and healthy and playing and contributing to the system that they're building around these players. Um, and I think, yeah, as for the, the McDaniels question, I mean, it doesn't really give anyone an advantage, but it does lend to creating a more creative game plan because it's going to be easier to anticipate what the other does. Um, but like you said, Scott's on both sides, so it doesn't really create a distinct advantage, but it's going to lead to a game where maybe, maybe you see some trick plays. Maybe um, you see something that they wouldn't normally do because that's not going to be what's anticipated. Kayla Pace, the host of Pace's Playbook over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. Thanks so much for coming on and answering some mailbag questions with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to follow you on social media and, of course, watch the Paces Playbook videos and maybe some old episodes of Coach and Kayla. I don't know. They might be WNBA <laughs> fans. How can they check out everything you're doing and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, so find me on Twitter at KP underscore on underscore TV. Everything good is there. And hey, if you want to check it out at Connecticut Sun on all platforms. Make sure you check out Kayla on Twitter and everything she's doing with the Connecticut Sun as well as the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet, where the Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some fantastic All-22 videos up breaking down a lot of the Jets' film from this past week, including Zach Wilson's fourth quarter heroics. Watch our videos. Subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. Visit playlikeajet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. 
subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.